When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ballet is brutal, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my God. No, not for me. It's, um, it's just people criticizing you your entire life. Yeah, and you can't have pizza or cake. No. I find it hard to determine whether this is a good film or a bad film, but I do feel like it achieves exactly what it's supposed to be. I mean, if you kind of like Dirty Dancing, you'll probably like this. If you like Mandy Moore, you'll probably really, really like it. The only sort of classic dance movie trope that this doesn't have is a group of evil dancers who dress mostly (laughs) in black and gold. I know there are people who would hate it, like with a passion, but equally, there are people who are going to love it forever. This episode of Flix Watcher Podcast is brought to you by Clear VPN. Clear VPN is the first effortless VPN for a secure and personalized online experience. Clear VPN helps you access any content, secure your online interactions, and bring your internet life to a whole new level with just one tap. So whether you want to unlock streaming and entertainment or secure communications or improve your online gaming, the app provides you with ready-made shortcuts. Movie fans like yourself can take advantage of the special Netflix and HBO shortcuts to watch other countries' Netflix and hot HBO premieres. Yes, and no matter where you are, you can now access shows and movies from other countries' libraries and never run out of options. So many films at your fingertips. Absolutely. Yay! Head over to my.clearvpn.com forward slash FlixWatcher and get 25% off. And ClearVPN is the only VPN you'll ever need because it clearly understands you. Want, tap, and enjoy. More films! Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. Today I'm joined by O'Hara. Hello. Zoltzman. Hello. And Sadler. Hello. AKA the Helen Trinity of podcasting. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about Centre Stage. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Washer Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have the Helens. We've got Helen O'Hara and Helen Zaltzman. If you'd like to say hello and uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. 
Hello, uh, I'm Helen O'Hara. I am a film journalist and podcaster, often for Empire and the Empire podcast. Um, and I have just written a book called Women versus Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Film. And who are you, Z? I'm Helen Zaltzman, and I make the podcasts Answer Me This, The Illusionist, and Veronica Mars Investigations. So that's the, that's the latest one, isn't it? The Veronica Mars Investigations. I've never seen Veronica Mars. Is it? Well... Uh, we're, we're just powering to the end. So if you start now, you can probably catch up with us just before we finish. And how's it been re- re- what, revisiting the the show? Well, um, the gender and sexual politics have aged very badly. Well, when did it come out then? <laughs> it started in 2004 and then yeah. was cancelled in 2007 and then came back for a movie in 2014 and a series in 2019 that made the fans really really angry which is why when we started the podcast just at their lowest ebb of enthusiasm for the show really nailed it <laughs> but it's a it's a good show except for the things that i mentioned before that are bad i think whenever you yeah whenever you, it's, it's surprising how little you have to actually go back to be ashamed of what you what you used mm. to like because mm. mm-hmm. i would have thought yeah 2000s that's fine but then it's like it's no. not no no 90s, no, 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 no. Sometimes it's last week. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. can't like Truly. that anymore. Can't trust anything in the past. Mm. So tell us about Illusionist. Oh, the Illusionist is an entertainment show about language and how and why we use it in the ways that we do. And typically kind of centres around one word, which you dealt, do a bit of a deep dive into and get some experts on words. Uh, I don't know what that word is. Um, yeah. Talk, well, talk. A recent one that I did that was interesting was um, people who analyse public apologies mm-hmm. and identify why most of them are not apologetic at all. And in fact, I can think of very few where you think, oh, yeah, they really are sorry. Because <laughs> most of them are just like, I'm sorry if I caused offence. Now, can I be restored, please? That's in a bit, I guess, not to get cancelled or politicians, right. basically. Yeah. Whereas actually, I think it's a power move just to be properly sorry and then you're less likely to be cancelled yeah yeah how do you actually choose the words that you use in in each episode uh well often it is just some well i usually want it to be something that i don't already know about uh, mm-hmm. so that i'm interested to find out and something i can get people to talk about because you know there are some things i can't even google where i want to find an interviewee there, there's a show i want to make about crimes involving the font size on 19th century margarine packaging but finding people to talk about that is proving challenging. Because how do you even frame that question? If anyone's out there, please get in touch. Well, you heard it here first, guys. If anyone, if anyone knows, then yeah. please reach out to Helen Zaltzman. Thank uh, you. Appreciate it. With that. Mm. And Helen Hara, you, you've got well. This is your third book, technically, isn't it? But this is this is the first proper book, I would say. Yeah, well, the other two were... Kind of, I mean, no, no, that, I won't even argue with you on that. The other two were, <laughs> were great, and I'm really glad I did them. But they're mm-hmm. kind of like listicle books, so they're lengthy pieces on a variety of films, whereas this is more of like a, a book with chapters rather than entries. And there are no pictures in this, so I'm, I apologise. Mm. No pictures, I'm sorry. Uh, but this one, it just has more words. So yes, it, it does feel like my first real book in some ways. And it um, does well. It's got a fantastic front cover. You say no pictures, but it's got a it's got a great cover on it. Women versus Hollywood. Um, it does have a good cover. Yeah, yeah. I can take I, no no credit for that whatsoever. But yes. <laughs> well, you must have gone. Yes, this will do. I like this. That's, that's true. I did. I did, and I did feed in on on some of the people who are on the cover. So so yes, it's all me. The graphic designers did nothing. 
<laughs> well, the book's out now, isn't it? As we as we well, this as this episode goes out, assuming all the Amazons and local bookstores support those guys, I guess as much as you can do, absolutely, um, and give them the money. But uh, <laughs> I've read a book and it's it's a it's a fantastic read and very insightful. And I think it starts from the gate where I think a lot of people don't realize how much Hollywood in particular was had a lot of female directors, producers, mm. creative staff at the start of it. And then the knobhead men came along and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, investors, we call them. But knobhead men works um, pretty much as well. Um, but yeah, no, that that's genuinely it. There were women making films at the very dawn of cinema, like directing, producing, you name it. They were studio heads. Mm-hmm. They ran their own businesses, everything. And then when the big money came in and when it became kind of industrialized, they basically all got forced out. Pretty much all. Like there would be maybe one director working at a time during most of the studio era, if we were lucky. And so it's now, I think we're now at the point where women are beginning to kind of push their way back in. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's an impossible point to really write a book like this because like we're in the middle of it. So my, my ending spoiler is basically like, let's hope it goes well. Um, But that is kind of where we're at. And so I wanted to look at how we started and where we got to where we are now and how things are changing, hopefully for the better. Um, and what we need to do to keep it that way. I mean, things are turning, but I wouldn't say, yes, yeah, no, it's nowhere near. No. Across the finishing line at all. No, not even close. Not even close. We're just, it's the, uh, what's, what's that line about? It's not the end. It's the beginning of the beginning of the end, maybe. I don't know. It's not even the, it's not even that close. End of the beginning. Let's call it that. The end of the beginning. Well, we're talking about films today, as always, on Flixwatch Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for choosing the film, which was today Helen Zaltzman. And you chose Hi. Centre Stage. Uh, can you tell us what the film's about and tell us why you chose it? And you've got a minute for the synopsis. Okay. Well, I chose it because people really love this film and give the people something that they love in these <laughs> bleak times. Also, I feel like at the moment in this uh, amount of lockdown, you just need things that are very low cognitive and emotional load. And this film's really easy to deal with because everything's very clearly signposted, <laughs> very explained, nothing is ambiguous. And then... If you didn't follow, it's all summarised in dance at the end. Um, <laughs> and also, if you've seen any other dance film, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this bit, even if you've never seen Centre Stage. Is it- and there's a climactic dance sequence, which is the best genre of film. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's probably pretty much any, if you've seen any other film, you know what's going to happen um, <laughs> from the start of this. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of a blueprint for a lot of films that followed in the decade after it came out, came out in 2000. But I remember what surprised me when I saw it, I hadn't seen it since about 2002, was that Nicholas Heitner directed it because at the time I was familiar with his work from Madness of King George because that had been Oscar bait Mm. and him doing stuff at the National Theatre. And then then this, which seemed a little out of character, perhaps. Yeah, the latest one was Lady in the Van, wasn't it? Well, the last (laughs) one I remember watching that was his. So it's, it's it's a huge departure. Yeah, maybe. Although he did do the late 90s Jennifer Aniston, Paul Rudd, Object of My Affection. So maybe I should be less surprised by this. And I should be less surprised that a theatre director directed this film, which has a lot of wide shots of a mm. theatre stage with people dancing on it. Yeah, I can see why I was attracted to it. Uh, Sadler and, and O'Hara, how are you, what, are you, what do you guys think to centre stage? 
I mean, I, I remember it from back in the day. I mostly remembered the dance at the end. Everything else fades mm. apart from the big dance at the end, which is, as, as Helen says, pretty much as it should be for this genre of film. <laughs> I mean, it's no step up to the streets, if I'm honest, but um, but it is uh, a kind of one of the quintessential ballet movies. Wait, that's really disrespectful to like the red shoes. But it, but like it is, of, like it's of, not of like... Of this a, century. Of this century, thank you, thank you. Important <laughs> qualification. Um, but it is, it's just a really fun, silly... Uh, Fluffy's probably not fair. It does try to deal with some serious stuff, but it's basically using dancers instead of actors. And it's therefore quite straight ahead at times in its storytelling. Uh, but the dancing's pretty great. Yeah, I, I had I realized I hadn't seen a dance film that di- that was not edited that much. Mm. Like this isn't because the people are, are nearly all dancers. Yeah, so they don't good. have to cut away to show the actor's <laughs> face and then the dancer's feet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a tiny bit of Zoe Saldana which is clearly yes. uh, body doubled and you can see the body double's face <laughs> at one point quite <laughs> clearly. Uh but uh, but apart from that it's pretty much everybody doing their own steps. Zoe D- Saldana's first film yeah. And I really believe her character should have been the centre of this film because most of the people in the film don't have a whole lot of personality. <laughs> but her character does. Yeah. Um, and the main character, Jodie, her kind of stakes, her personal stakes are that she has bad feet and bad turnout. And we know this because we're repeatedly told in every ballet class, Jodie, what's your turnout? Your turnout is bad. Your bad feet will never amount to anything. Whereas Zoe Saldana is a rare black ballet dancer in... <laughs> in like New York ballet academies like there's a bit more journey there uh, a lot more odds against her mm-hmm. and um and then there's also Susan May Pratt playing Maureen who um, mm. who who is the Natalie Portman in Black Swan character essentially because she also has a very pushy mother and um an eating disorder and um eventually gets out of ballet and and I feel like she has a lot of character as well and then there's just like a bunch of people where I there's like five people that I assume are one person, one bland person. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. And Helen Sadler. <laughs> so this this piece had passed me by. I mean, I think there is probably a bit of a gap in my um, noughties dance film and their sequel. In fact, I was trying to think. I I don't have a great sort of dance film knowledge. <laughs> I think uh, generally, but. Um, I, I was rather entertained by this. Um, it's got Eon Bailey in it. Who? Um, Who's that? Is, Who's that? Is he plays Jim, bland boyfriend? Yeah, who serves well, not, He's not like the bland boyfriend because the bland boyfriend <laughs> is the other male dancer. Oh. I can't remember his oh, name. G- so discount. His face. I was going to say discount. Paul five Rudd. interchangeable discount people. Paul Rudd. Yeah, from yeah. Band of Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Band of Brothers. Hold on. <laughs> He's also in ER. He becomes a doctor, you'll be pleased to know. He's like a doctor student in this, and in oh. ER he becomes a doctor. Oh, okay, so, so he's, he's oh. actually Synergy. fulfilled his arc, his destiny. Yeah. Um, Is he yeah. still with Maureen? But does, she, does she appear in ER? No, she's oh, no. not in ER, sadly. But true um, love. But yeah, ballet is brutal, man. Mm. I mean, oh my God. No, not for me. It's, um, it's just people criticising you your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't have pizza or cake. Mm. No. I still don't really know what a turnout is. Well, I know what it something... is, but I don't understand. It's like how you put, put your feet, but what, what makes a bad one? Because they all seem to be doing yeah. pointing out quite a wire, and it looks actually painful. And yeah. break your legs a bit more. Um, it's, it, ballet is sort of like a vocabulary that I do not have. <laughs> um, 
and fair play to them for making this film like very accessible to people when it's about like quite an exclusive art form. And I think for um, me, when you said center stage, my heart kind of sank. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I've never I've never seen it before, and it's like oh, it's about ballet. I was like, oh fucking hell, um, and it's kind of one of the areas where I'm a complete luddite, and like opera and ballet. Mm. I love dance. I'll spend, you know, literally spend hours watching people in Leicester Square dancing. And I love music and I go to lots of musicals. But opera and ballet just make my head kind of want to fall off. Um, so what about ballet with Jamiroquai? Well, this is the thing, right? With ballet with Jamiroquai, <laughs> and I'd say, I want to say ballet with Michael Jackson, but we can pick another 80s pop star who's not of ill repute. So we, can, we can find other people. Ballet with heavy metal, ballet with motorcycles. Uh, mm. Ballet with people who get get naked on beds. Oh yeah, um, and then the parents afterwards were like, "That was wonderful, <laughs> seeing you reenact this one night stand you had with a guy." Affection. <laughs> if all ballet was that good uh, or interesting, I'd say I would probably go to one. Um, but yeah, whenever <laughs> one, you see someone, no more. Whenever That's you see, what this Heitner is like wanted. top line ballet, though, isn't it? Really, it is. <laughs> like, it's very like <laughs> minimal top line. As soon as someone comes out with a Nutcracker suite, my, I do kind of go, oh, no. But it, mm. I think I think you're right, uh, Zoltzman, in the way that they kind of make it accessible. Um, and you have the anguish that you'd have the teen anguish and you have the fight against. So it's almost like it's just a high school drama set in a, in a ballet school, which is the kind of thing I took away from it. Um, yeah. And you had some knobhead teachers, had some knobhead mm. parents. Um, yeah. And the kids who were trying to muddle along and, and do the do the kid thing because they're, they're kids. Yeah. So it's, young. Uh, did anybody else read the Drina books growing up? Is this just me? No. There was a series of books about a girl called Drina who wanted to be a ballerina because it rhymed, I guess. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I devoured them all. I, I cannot dance a step. I had Irish dancing lessons as a kid. I was terrible. I have never taken a ballet class and I would be terrible. But it's, for some reason, these books were sort of addictive and that's very much the tone of of this film as well like it gets it does acknowledge the fact that there is incredible hard work and like gross toes mm. involved mm. in ballet and getting to the point where you can be a beautiful swan gliding about the stage but um but it does also get the the tutus and the dancing and the romance and and you know it's it's quite a it's quite a solid sort of ballet portrayal i would i would think i mean even something like black swan which is a lot more grody and intense you know is is not a million miles from this in terms of the stuff it deals with yeah as i, I think I, helen said yeah i think the only the two the two other films i could think of that contained ballet were red sparrow and black swan that i've seen uh, and maybe a bit john wick three um <laughs> oh yeah of course yeah. <laughs> blue pigeon <laughs> yeah Yellow Seagull, all so the ballet said, films. Well, you said the red. You said the red shoes. Is that, red shoes. Paul red Pe- shoes. Yeah. yeah. Pressburg. I've never seen that. Is it? Is it a, a worthy watch? I know. It's Paul astonishing. Pressburg yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful. Highly revered. Yeah. Astonishing. Yeah. Amazing. I think the thing about this, well, they did cast mostly real dancers, and mm. I think they act fairly well with what they're given, given that the characters are underwritten, um, and it does feel like the film has to make fewer excuses. Therefore. Uh, and it doesn't have to talk them up so much going, wow, look at them, they're brilliant. They can just go, rubbish turnout. And you go, I don't know, because they're all doing ballet and it all looks like beyond <laughs> comprehension. Um, but I think people who know about dance do like this film. Yeah. Mm. Imagine it's removed from reality just enough to make it fun. Yeah. yeah my, my wife's a, a dancer. She used to go to um, Pineapple Dance Studio all the time in, in Covent Garden. 
she did. I think she did ballet when she was uh, younger, and she, she knew it was meant by the turnout. But the interesting bit, which I I'm not, I don't think it's a ballet thing, but was in the final performance where Jodie, she's on the bed with mm-hmm. Cooper the knobhead, and then <laughs> the next scene she's in red and her hair's all braided up, mm-hmm. like in space yeah. of like whip snap time. And I was yeah, like, this is that, yeah. that's, a, that's a very good point. This is one of my big questions about the film. That that final performance, love it to death. It makes not a lick of sense. Like, could not make less sense. Those changes, there's no way you do them in under 10 minutes. I mean, her mm. hair isn't totally braided. It's it's twirled in that way that was quite big at the time. Right. So, okay, let's be really, really charitable and say you can do that in five minutes. I don't think you can, but sure. But you are not off stage for any less than 10 minutes between those changes. It no. just doesn't make any sense. How did they get the motorbike on the stage? Right. I mean, that was always thick. Like, does it go up the stairs? Did it come round the back? Did Probably it, is a ramp did, for loading did, in. Dra- drive, drive it. Um, I mean, the acceler- acceleration. Mm. Like, is there enough space to accelerate on a motorbike on a stage? What about the fumes? Like, oh yeah. The health and safety form must have been like huge for that one bike. Because um, the it's audience a real bike, like yeah. a bike, a bike, a bike. Um, <laughs> even though they're there to watch ballet and they seem very sniffy about innovation, that seems to be the setup. There was so ultimately they adore it, but it's like I went to see the stage version of Legally Blonde mm. once. What was that and like? Was that a musical? It was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't great. I think it was mostly an understudies day. It was a little underpowered, mm. but the audience, as soon as a dog comes on stage, they're yeah. like, ah. And I thought, well, for the actors who are actually doing more work than being a dog for 30 seconds, that's a little dispiriting. I felt that about the bike. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's right back to the Shakespeare in Love thing, isn't it? Just have a bit with the dog and the audience will love it. And that, that is true of every musical I've ever seen with a dog. Everybody loves yeah. the dog. They could have done dog ballet. There's another <laughs> thing about that that end dance performance that I was wondering about in that it's supposed to be kind of a big showcase for the dance students to get into ballet companies. Mm. But there's only about three featured players and one mm. of them is Jody, who like gets just all the attention. And one of them is a guy who's already a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's replacing someone who's injured. And instead of being like, oh well, who else would benefit from this opportunity? He's like, I'll do it. <laughs> well that is that was Cooper through and through, wasn't it? Because no. um, Eva, who's Zoe Sardani's character, was like Cooper, <laughs> a big edit idiot. Um, right at the start. So he Bloody right. he kind of showed his True, true colors quite quite early on, didn't he? It's a bit of an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we supposed to like him? I don't think so. I hope not. He's, <laughs> he's not appealing in any way. No. He is a good dancer, but he's just odious. <laughs> and he has like a very kind of dissipated vibe to him. Mm. He's very creepy. Mm. Yeah, the yeah. way he the way he dismissed Jodie when she came to his his uh that show was just it was really it was really cruel. Although she Try was on with the boss's girlfriend. Although she mm. was like hanging out in the wings and being a bit nerdy at that point. Like I had a bit of sympathy yeah. for him at that point that I didn't have for the whole rest of the film because you you know, there's this one girl, you've gone on a date with her literally once, and then suddenly mm. she's waiting in the wings of your show, like going, Oh, it looks so nice. And you're like, dude, I have to go back on stage in like 30 <laughs> seconds. Do you mind if we don't right now? Yeah, that yeah. was the one time I liked When I'm in him. performance mode, I don't want to talk to anyone, let alone people I've had one night stands with that may have proved uh, <laughs> regrettable in some way. Um, is there anything else I want to talk about, guys, before we get to the scores, of course, where we can still um, chat about the film? Yeah, I I uh, also thought the guy who plays Maureen's boyfriend, the one who grows up to be in ER... Discount Paul Rudd. <laughs> that character has dated a bit badly 
in that he's so coercive. Like he pursues this woman, he he kind of tracks her down to where she lives. Mm. And I think at the time we were supposed to find that romantically persistent. And now you're just like, dude, mm. please take take the hint. She's not interested. But it's, I mean, it, it seemed that she was very, she didn't, her friends didn't need to twist her arm much at all to get her to go on a date with him. Mm. It was, no. I, I get what you mean. Because I was thinking, I was like, this, she didn't want to give you a phone number. Their romance was more blocked by ballet though, wasn't it? Mm. It was the, you know, she can't hang out with him and have ballet because like, you can't have ballet and something else, apparently. You yeah, only like, have in ballet. 10 years, we can date once I've retired from <laughs> yeah, ballet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, would, I would love to hear your thoughts about the soundtrack to this film. I, <laughs> two Mandy Moore songs. First of all. Two Jamiroquai songs. Yeah, yeah. One Thunderbugs, remember them? No, of course not. Their album was released on mini-disc and then they disappeared. <laughs> what, oh, <no. laughs> the Chili, Chili Peppers covering Chili Peppers, Ghost, yeah, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. I thought... Some great thrust dancing to that. Oh, God. So much thrusting. I shall uh, recreate that the next time I listen to the song because that's all I can see now. <laughs> I forgot how much I missed uh, Jamiroquai. They're one of the kind of bands which I loved in like 1997. <laughs> and then for some reason, I haven't listened to them much since. And it's always a pleasure when I hear one track of theirs. Um, and I, th- I listened to the album Virtual Insanity and loved it to bits. Yeah, but, that was a great album. But I think, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. It's one of the things it has to, if you've got a dance movie, if you've got a, a film like this, Step Up To Fame or whatever, the soundtrack has to be on point. Otherwise, you've got, mm. you've got no chance whatsoever. Mm. What, a lot of Mandy you... Moore, though. Oh, yeah. Was it Mandy Moore? Is that who it was? Because yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't know who this is. <laughs> I feel like I should, but I don't. Well, she's now star of This Is Us, mm. if that's any help. Oh, it's okay. Untangled. Um, there's there's that amazing scene where Jodie busts out of ballet class mm-hmm. and goes to a different kind of dance yep. class and uh, they're all dancing to Candy by Mandy Moore. And it's a bit like that Eric Prids video where it's just like a lot of thrusting purposes and bums. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, there's just this like big shot of Cooper's ass like thrusting <laughs> back and forward to Mandy Moore. And Jodie's like... <gasps> yeah. Oh, what a guy. No. Didn't love it. <laughs> Yeah. I suppose you have to be into him to love it. And it's very hard to be into him because he's an odious character. <laughs> but apart from, apart from uh, Mandy Moore, did you, what, what were your thoughts on the soundtrack, Zoltzman? Well, I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm with minus points for Jamiroquai. I'm not a Jamiroquai <laughs> fan. And it appears twice in this film. So yeah, um, that's a lot. I had to turn down the volume of it because uh, I was just like, oh, I'm not a fan. Oh, no, I quite like I quite liked a bit of Jamiroquai back in the day, so I have to say, hearing Canned Heat again after mm. so long was was positively okay. Although, interestingly, my sister was with me watching it, and and I said something about Jamiroquai, and uh, I don't know what I said, but she went, wait, he's a man? Because she'd always thought it was a woman, and didn't realise that it was a singer. Cool. Anyway, he's got so some JK. Moves, JK. Maybe, that's, maybe, yeah. that's the, maybe that's the thing. She was very young at the, in the year 2000, you know? So she doesn't know. <sighs> she doesn't remember. So as we learned from this film... Men also have moves, Kobe. Yes, this is true. Um, Sarah, my wife, said there's a bit where Cooper and the other guy in the when they're training for the for the big show off showdown in the in the rehearsal studios, they kind of sure. did the big bit, show off. They're doing their, how many pirouettes they could do each, and she just kind of went basically just comparing cock sizes there, aren't they? And uh, yeah. there's a lot of posturing. Um, I thought it was quite funny. Yeah, I did. I so I saw this. Back in like 2002, 2003, I just like, 
No, I just graduated and I was doing this like below minimum wage job from home that was like really dull and depressing. And so I'd watch uh, my um, my housemate had been on holiday to Thailand and brought back lots of uh, pirate DVDs. So I would just like sit, sitting there watching them doing this like boring job in front of them. So I think that was the period in which I saw Centre Stage. And then I didn't really think about it much again until I saw Black Swan in, it came out 2011, I think. Like that, yeah. And I just thought, this is the same film, basically. Black Swan has more body horror. Everyone's taking it more seriously, but it's essentially yeah. so similar mm. in plot. Just a wee bit more lesbianism as well. Like a wee little bit. bit. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess that's because it was a decade later. They yeah. might have thrown that in uh, if they'd made centre stage later. But I don't think that Black Swan is a better film than this. Not necessarily. It just takes itself so seriously, relatively. Well, I think that's the difference between a lot of awards contenders, isn't it, versus um, just films you enjoy watching. Well, mm. where So this is Zoe Sardani's first film, before we get to the scores. Um, yeah. I meant to look up how what her dance profile was what, what, what? she'd she, done some ballet i believe as a yeah. as a like in childhood basically okay. throughout her childhood but she wasn't maybe on the on, on the level with some of the others who were mostly professionals or semi-professionals so so she did need some help for that final dance that she has and then susan may pratt who plays maureen i think was the only one of the leads that didn't dance at all mm. even though they're like everyone look at maureen oh, look at her arms at all in the whole the film. actor's probably just like i don't know that's yeah, good, she did well. That's a good point, yeah. actually. She did quit. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Mm. There you go. Great fringe, though. Terrific great fringe. fringe. Sorry, great bangs. Fringe. Which, bangs. She, which she kept for 10 bangs. Things I Hate About You. Another great film I watched recently. So. Oh. So good. All right. With that, should we head to the scores? All right. This episode of Flix Watcher Podcast is brought to you by Clear VPN. ClearVPN is the first effortless VPN for a secure and personalised online experience. ClearVPN helps you access any content, secure your online interactions and bring your internet life to a whole new level with just one tap. So whether you want to unlock streaming and entertainment or secure communications or improve your online gaming, the app provides you with ready-made shortcuts. Movie fans like yourself can take advantage of the special Netflix and HBO shortcuts to watch other countries' Netflix and hot HBO premieres. Yes, and no matter where you are, you can now access shows and movies from other countries' libraries and never run out of options. So many films at your fingertips. Absolutely. Yay! Head over to my.clearvpn.com forward slash FlixWatcher and get 25% off. And ClearVPN is the only VPN you'll ever need because it clearly understands you. Want, tap and enjoy. More films! So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. They are always out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Helen Zed, with your recommendability. Mm. I am going to score centre stage 3.65 out of five. I find it hard to determine whether this is a good film or a bad film, but I do feel like it achieves exactly what it's supposed to be. Mm. Helen O. I am going to go three for recommendability because I know there are people who would hate it, like with a passion. So I feel like you've got to be careful who you recommend it to. But equally, there are people who are going to love it forever once they encounter it for the first time. So, you know, it's definitely over the 50% mark, but maybe not all the way over. Sadly. Um, So 
I mean, this this film basically knows what it is and it doesn't make any attempt to not be anything other than what it is. And what it is is an hour and 55 minutes of a lot of dancing, um, some cheesy moments, a soundtrack that is questionable at times and um, it has some interesting uh, entry points for people like Zoe and like Eon Bailey if you've only ever seen him in in one thing so um, yeah I mean if you kind of like dirty dancing you'll probably like this and if you like Mandy Moore you'll probably really really like it Um, so yeah I'm going (laughs) to give it a a 3.5 I'm going to go for 3.5 as well. I think it's... I was anticipating the worst, and it wasn't that. So <laughs> I think there'll be people who, as Helen Horror says, there'll be people that hate it, but I think there'll be fewer people that hate it than you, than you probably imagine. Or maybe I, you know, maybe I just had a bit more open mind, a bit more of an open mind when I started. And when uh, Cosmic Girl came on, maybe that kind of wooed me a bit in the, in the right direction. Uh, repeat viewing score, Zoltzman. Yeah, I, having seen it in 2002-ish, I'll ha- be happily coming back to it in another 19 years. Uh, I'd, I'd say repeat viewing, yeah, a solid three. <laughs> Once every 19 years equates to three. Interesting. Uh, Helen Hara. <laughs> I'm also going to go three. Like if I was, you know, completely at a loss for something to watch in a, even a few months from now, I'd probably go like, I mean, sure, fine, put it on. But I, I don't know that I would necessarily think, ooh, it's Friday night. I can watch Center Stage again. You know, it's not it's not that film. But it passes the time. So I'm going to go yeah. three again. There's going to be a lot of threes, I'll tell you that right now. Spoiler for, for all my remaining scores. Yeah. It's not Strictly Ballroom. That's the oh, five out of five repeat oh, viewing 100%. dance film. Yeah. Sadler. It probably could have been an hour and a half, I think. Um, it yeah. is quite long for... Um, this type of film so repeat viewing for me is not quite as high and I think there's probably a lot of other films that are strongly dance focused that I'd probably uh, give a watch before I return to this so I know two and a half I'm gonna go for one I might watch again Um, (laughs) but I think I think I've seen enough Uh, and it's quite enjoyable at one time but maybe once every 19 years like my hands Osman that kind of ratio I think (laughs) small screen score Helen Zed Small screen's got well, I I have a projector and a six foot screen. It's always people. Which, it's uh, always these braggadocious people, isn't it? Yeah, it was a <laughs> lockdown wanker treat, and uh, <laughs> strongly recommend. So six foot score, fantastic. Five out of five. Uh, Ohara. Um, I don't think there was any big loss on the on the small screen with this one. I mean, you know, yes, okay, you have if you're watching it on the big screen, you get the full stage effect, but like I don't think you miss out a lot watching it at home. So I'm gonna be generous for this one and give it four just to break from my three streak. Helen <laughs> Sadler. Um absolutely a five. I don't think there's anything that I'd need to see it on a big screen for. And the thing with projectors, it's not like the projector itself because you can rent them and you've normally got a friend with them, but it's having the wall space with nothing on it. That's why I've got a screen. That's the screen she screen says. rolls up out the ground. But you, you've got to have the space. <laughs> the space just like a little six-foot bar on the floor. Pop it up in the evening when it's dark. I'm just envious of your space. <laughs> well, I don't live anywhere, so it was easier to... It was easier to move around than a TV without smashing it. This is true. Uh, engagement score, Helen Z. Yeah, I would agree with 
Helen S that it is longer than it needs to be. I think because there's so much dance in it, that there's probably more dance than in similar dance films. So there's probably like mm. 15 minutes of non-plot dance. Um, so yeah. Not plot dance. But it is a dance film, so I guess to a lot of people that's a bonus. Uh, what are we scoring again? I've just gone off in a reverie about this film. Engagement. 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 I would say it's probably... It slips down pretty easy, but you, you, your attention could wander and you probably wouldn't miss it that much. So I'm going to give it like a 2.8. Helen Horror. I'm going to go 2.5. I was going to go 2, but then I was like, you know what? I probably would just like want to see how it turns out. I mean, I'm the kind of person when like if I catch Sister Act on TV, I'm definitely there for the next hour and a half. Like it's not even a question. It's no Sister Act. But it does have some of the same kind of easy watchability. So it's, mm. even though I don't love it, I can see myself leaving it on in the background. So yeah, 2.5. Helen Sadler. Yeah, the amount of dancing in it that's kind of unedited in any kind of like fancy way is <laughs> unedited dancing. bizarre. Um, <laughs> but they're showing off that it's real, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you either have authenticness and it's, go on for a bit or like sort of slightly jazzier and um not authentic uh i mean you can kind of guess where it's going you don't really need to be glued to it but it's an enjoyable time so um i'm gonna go three yeah i'm gonna go for three as well i think i i think we, we talked about it at the start but not really so much in the, in the discussion but it, it becomes like a bingo call you're just kind of waiting for things to tick off like there's a girl who in the first five minutes, she's eating donuts and you knew she was going to get kicked out mm. uh, or she was going to leave because they didn't like what she was doing to her body, which is just being young. Um, and there was the Cooper who's going to kiss one of the girls and make them cry. And that happened. And there's going to be the big showdown at the end. There's just like, yep, ding, oh, ding, And ding, someone's going to so, get injured right before the big mm-hmm. show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There'll probably uh, be some fusion of a classical ballet and a dance style that everyone says can't be done with ballet but it is the the only the only sort of classic dance movie trope that this doesn't have is a group of evil dancers who dress mostly (laughs) in black and gold like because that's you get that in all the step-up movies and you know all the rest but um but yeah very absent here and there's not really enough made of the usual other dance movie trope of the kid from the wrong side of the tracks because if they'd made Eva the the sort of star of the film, then we could have had a bit mm. more of that, um, which is the other thing that you get yeah. a lot in these films. Whereas all there is is her leotard's the wrong colour at the beginning. I mean, yeah. yeah. And she doesn't like seem to struggle with that. She just comes in wearing a different leotard. It's not like I have no money to buy leotards. So, okay. She's she just being herself. <laughs> I did like I did like how like Maureen and everyone, Maureen and the other girls did kind of stand, stand up for her. Mm. Uh, no, she's really good. The thing that I found most jarring about the... And obviously they they, they kind of hid what the, the final sequence is going to be at the end, but like Helen said, um, there was no motorbike in that rehearsal room. There's no there's no bed. There's no subway <laughs> stages that came on. There was only three other people in the rehearsal room mm-hmm. when they were doing yeah. that thing. So to when it all started, there's like 100 people on the stage. It's like, what, what's, what are we watching exactly? Um, so that did throw me a bit. Hey, it's one of those kind of films, isn't it? They just have to do what they're going to do um, to make it kind of have that finale that everyone wants to get, everyone wants to remember at the end and and watch once every 19 years, I think. Yeah, <laughs> the arrogance of this man to create a ballet that's all about himself uh, copping mm. off with a student and only cast himself in it yesterday. You do wonder about the thought <laughs> process behind that. 
Madness. Um, the overall score is 3.34063. Fair to middling. Um, <laughs> I, feel I thought it was going to be a bit higher, actually, based on the initial scores. It's the repeat viewing that let it down, really. Uh, I do feel like if you're marking it out of 10, it's a solid 7, and I think, you know, you're rounding that score up. I mean, you don't have to justify how the scores fall here. This is this is how it works in, in the Flip right. Watcher. Got to trust the in the studios. spreadsheet. Works it all out. Kobe loves the spreadsheet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yes. So do follow us on Twitter, everyone. We are at FlixWatcherPod. And great reason to follow us is because before we go into every recording, we do a little shout out. And in this case, saying we're reviewing Centre Stage with Helen Zaltzman and Helen O'Hara from Empire Magazine. Have you seen it? Give us your thoughts and a score out of five uh, for an on-air shout out on FlixWatcher. And we had, again, this is just me. I just, I was prejudiced to the, to the whole film and I've been proven wrong. We had quite a strong response for this. Um, Helen Z, do you want to lead us out with the first one you see on the screen? Amy Liu says, five stars, if only for the Jamiroquai, the red ballet shoes and that incredible unravelling tutu moment. Yes, to that incredible <laughs> unravelling tutu moment. If you were scoring this on unravelling tutu moments, this would score at least a four. <laughs> uh, Helen O. Um, so at that dog is nice or Katie as she may be known more widely says I love all the dance and revisit the last ballets every once in a while the Rachmaninoff less keen on the Michael Jackson I also love stuff about dance school and Zoe Saldana is great but I really dislike all the love triangle stuff and the predatory blonde dude story is gross three out of five mm-hmm. overall Ooh, I thought she was going up higher than that based on the initial uh, how it started out <laughs> That's how uh, gross Sadler. the blonde dude love story mm-hmm. is, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's marked it down that much. Helen Sadler. This is from Sarah at Peppergirl01. It's the sort of movie that you find yourself re-watching till the end while sitting on the edge of the couch because you'll just watch five minutes. It has some deeply problematic issues with the love story, but nothing that can't be resolved by those final dance scenes. Four stars. <laughs> Do you have any more? I'm not seeing any others. I'm seeing like a gif of... Uh, I see one that says from from Dylan Booth that just says love it so much and I asked for how many stars and there was no response they kind of Um, stress the feelings in numbers and then I had there's one from Crafty Expat that just says oh my goodness all the Helens coming together oh no all my Helens coming together does anyone know Crafty Expat Um, I I know from Twitter yeah yeah I know her delightful person uh, she used to be married to my uh, eldest brother's best friend that's Ah, that's all right <laughs> well, hello, hello, Catherine, crafty expat. Uh, lovely to meet you. Uh, Helen Zaltzman and Helen O'Hara, can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online? Uh, remind everyone about your podcast and books, and we'll say goodbye to everyone who's listening. Uh, well, you can find me at Helen Zaltzman on Twitter, and my shows are Answer Me This, The Illusionist, and Veronica Mars Investigations, available at the pod places. I'm Helen L. O'Hara on Twitter, and uh, you can also find me on the Empire Podcast Weekly, and uh, Women vs. Hollywood is out now in all good and evil news agents. I'm so impressed, by the way, that we've got all this way through the podcast without making a Sadler's Wells joke about Helen. (gasps) So it's a ballet thing. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. I've been there. There you go. It's a ballet there. (laughs) Well, thanks very much, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll say goodbye. Bye. 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 This episode of Flix Watcher Podcast is brought to you by ClearVPN. ClearVPN is the first effortless VPN for a secure and personalized online experience. 
Clear VPN helps you access any content, secure your online interactions and bring your internet life to a whole new level with just one tap. So whether you want to unlock streaming and entertainment or secure communications or improve your online gaming, the app provides you with ready-made shortcuts. Movie fans like yourself can take advantage of the special Netflix and HBO shortcuts to watch other countries' Netflix and hot HBO premieres. Yes, yeah, so no matter where you are, you can now access shows and movies from other countries' libraries and never run out of options. So many films at your fingertips. Absolutely. Yay! Head over to my.clearvpn.com forward slash Flixwatcher and get 25% off. And ClearVPN is the only VPN you'll ever need because it clearly understands you. Want, tap, and enjoy. More films! enjoyed this episode of flix watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flix pod on twitter and we're at flix on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben and that's rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 